Stuff Podcasts. A warning, this podcast contains references to subjects and discussions that could be hard for some people to hear. Some episodes may also contain explicit language, so please take care. I don't think the guys quite understood how close we were to the end because I was so quiet and all of a sudden there was, yeah, he was there and it, they, oh, it was just, everyone was crying and <laughs> just incredible. So worth it. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Welcome to Tell Me About It, the podcast where women share the most intimate moments of their lives just for us. I'm Noelle McCarthy. I'm Kirsty Johnston. I'm Michelle Duff. It's you this week, Michelle. What have you got? I think it's going to be a good one. It had better be because you've spent, I believe, months working on this story. She loves to take her time. Oh, look who's talking. (laughs) You take ages on your stories too. Oh, whatever. You both do, but nobody begrudges it. It's first drafts of history you're both writing. A higher calling, journalism. (laughs) Yes, okay. Less of the sarcasm. Uh, Look, right, before we start, I have a question. What is the nicest thing you've ever done for someone? My God. That's a real put you on the spot question. (laughs) Uh, she really has to think about this. I guess made my husband dinner. And this would be, I imagine, before he was my husband because he does all of the cooking now. I've helped like a lot of people <laughs> move house and I feel like that is a selfless act. Yeah, that's huge. Actually, that is a big one. Yeah, that is. Cooking dinner is, I mean, you know, on a power of like big things that you can do, uh, significant things. It's probably not quite up there. But what about having a baby for someone it's a little more involved than shifting a couch. Is that something you'd consider? We're talking about surrogacy on today's episode. And a bit later on, we're going to meet a surrogate, Lacey, who carried a baby for two of her friends. Oh, my goodness. That is amazing. Like, respect to Lacey. I cannot imagine ever doing that again. I tell you what, I, like, I'd probably swallow a couch or try and pick up an entire couch before I would contemplate being in labor ever again for anyone well I'm actually yet to have a baby so I'm still living in a fantasy world where it's all like bubble baths and fluffy white towels and like there's a birthing pool and music playing you know oh how magical and a scented candle for the delivery suite Kirsty. and you know by scented candle I mean epidural (laughs) (laughs) thanks for that advice Noir. Michelle I think you asked on ye old Instagram whether listeners would do this whether they'd have a baby for someone on um at tell me about it nz by the way everyone um what did people say in response yeah so we had a few different responses someone said that they'd thought about it mainly because they'd had two pretty easy sort of angels flying above them um beautiful nice smelling pregnancies yours were like that michelle birth. i bet they were yeah absolutely no <laughs> trauma whatsoever here no <laughs> so the people that did have managed to have easy pregnancies and vaginal births I mean that's why they said that they would do it again but they also said they didn't want to have any more children for themselves yeah I reckon that's a really important point Michelle like you'd have to know already how pregnancy is going to affect your body because that would definitely have an impact on any decision whether or not 
to volunteer to be a surrogate. I know that some people say they loved being pregnant, but I was one of those people who felt like I spent nine months with indigestion. Who are those humans, eh, who liked, who liked the pregnancies? I mean, I, they obviously exist, but... Who had like a gorgeous pregnancy. Yeah, I think someone else replied and said they wanted to have finished having their own babies first, but they'd like to think they would be a surrogate. You know, actually, legally, you have to have completed your own family first before you qualify to be a surrogate. That's a really odd word to use, isn't it? Like you've completed your family. My life is complete. Yeah, the language is weird and you know, there's a whole lot of rules around surrogacy and adoption, and some of them are pretty archaic. Is that why you wanted to do this story, Michelle? To kind of shine a shine your wee spotlight on that? Yeah, that's me, sort of in the dark, ferreting around with a spotlight, <laughs> just investigating. What's that line? Sunlight is the best disinfectant, and like we actually use it every time we appear in court. I used to hear that so much when I did talk back radio, but I don't want to bring that back now. I don't no, want to talk about that. Come back to surrogacy. Come back to adoption. It's, no more. No more trauma this episode. No. Else. It's less fraught for me. <laughs> yeah. What well, are they weird rules, Michelle? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So they're actually all up for review at the moment. That's currently going on. There's a big law commission report into surrogacy. The Ministry of Justice is looking at adoption legislation. So there's two main issues, the main issues that I focused on in this piece. And one is that there's no compensation for surrogate. So they don't get paid anything for carrying someone else's child and the toll that that takes. And the second is that surrogacy comes under the rules that are used for adoption. So the baby has to be adopted by the new parents. So that's regardless of whether there's any biological link between the baby and the intending parents. And look, it's just all a bit confusing and kind of not fit for purpose for what families look like today. That's right, isn't it? Because families aren't like a mom and a dad and 2.5 kids anymore. There's all sorts of different family configurations and, you know, women who want to have children in their own right, same-sex families, so many different kinds. I feel like women who um, go ahead and have babies by themselves are like quite far up the evolutionary the respect <laughs> chart for me like yeah I'm so looking forward to talking to Lacey today because I honestly it must be such an emotional journey like growing this whole baby inside you and then just not giving it away but you know passing it over and I mean what made her want to do that for somebody else yeah we're gonna ask her that and I think it's a question that everyone sort of wants to know and it's the main the selfless nature of it seems to be uh, quite hard to wrap wrap Mm. our heads around yeah so a little bit of background Lacey had a baby for two of her friends Aaron and Jake using a donor egg and that's important and it was important to her not to have her own genetic material being used so she thought of herself more as the oven for the baby is how she phrases it oh yeah I see that and and I, I sort of instinctively feel like it's different too I don't even know why In looking at this, Michelle, did you see, like, are there lots of different surrogate situations? Like, are there some situations in which women do give the egg as well? Like, are there lots of different kinds of relationships? Yeah, absolutely. So there are some in which the woman would also be, so that's a traditional surrogacy where the woman would carry the child and also it would be her egg. But what we're talking about is a gestational surrogate. So that's where 
the genetic material comes from there's a sperm donor and there's an egg donor and then together you know their powers combine kind of like mighty Morphin power rangers you know when they all create that um the the mo the powerful one in the end that's sort of uh, the situation so best similar mo- ever <laughs> So if you're not a 90s baby and you don't know about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, then you're in the I wrong apologize. podcast, <laughs> millennial podcast. Uh, okay, anyway, Michelle, I did, I did like slur against you earlier when I said that this story took you ages, but there's a reason for that, right? Because you were following them the entire way through the pregnancy. So not just because she's a perfectionist, but because that's the length of gestation. It does take, yeah, exactly. There was not really any way around it. That baby had to grow. Yeah, so what I, you know, and it was, thank you so much to Lacey and Aaron and Jake to let me follow them on this journey because what I was able to do with that time is sort of work through with them as they were experiencing them all these, like, really complex emotions that they were feeling, some of them that they didn't intend or think that they, they would feel and that they would come across, and also how important their relationship with each other was uh, for them to be able to navigate that and everyone to feel safe. And I guess to know also that the child that resulted at, at, you know, at the end of the surrogacy would be born into the best environment. Mm. And look, not just to, you know, blow smoke, Michelle, but I love how in, in your work, like you foreground those human emotions and the and you don't flatten the complexity of them because it is like super complex and and like you say you've been talking to Lacey for a long time and you know there's COVID in the mix there's a whole heap of stuff was going on while you were doing this right I mean there was a lot there was a lot more than I think anyone anticipated and I think also the just highlighting the importance of that, um, the relationships and the surrogacy journey that hasn't talked about a lot. Mm. So it's just kind of good to tease that out. And Lacey, that's why she's, her insight is invaluable, I reckon, in that space. And not only has she done that, right, she's going to come on the podcast in a second, but actually we have a clip of you talking to her. And this is like, this is at the pointy end, so to speak, like this is right at the start of her labor and um, love this actuality audio because this is a little clip and she's telling you what's happening in her womb, Michelle. And she tells you like a whole heap of personal stuff as well. What are we about to hear? Well, this is right on the cusp of giving birth, really, where I managed to catch her in between cups of tea. And I, I think we should just let let you all listen to it so you can hear Lacey in her own words tell us about what she's about to experience. Hi, Michelle. Kia ora, how are you going? Yeah, good, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, just made a cup of tea. I'm at home with my kids today, so... Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just trying to, you know, the leftover stuff from the weekend that you try and get done on a Monday... Yep, fair enough. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just thought I would call for a quick catch-up, just see how you're feeling, how you're doing. Yeah, yep, um, doing really well. Um, yeah, we just saw the midwife um, at lunchtime and had a sweep, so I'm three centimetres <laughs> and um, definitely feeling quite uncomfortable and <laughs> a bit niggly, so hopefully it turns into something. But, um, yeah, we'll see. She said she'll do a another one in a couple of days if um if this doesn't turn into anything but yeah everything's looking good and on the right track at the minute so that's cool so what is a sweep and did you have that for the other kids 
Yeah, I did. Yep, I did with both of my boys. Mm. Um, so they they basically put their fingers up into your cervix and do a big, like, I think they just move everything around the baby's head to kind of loosen everything. And it just, I think it just tricks your body into, oh, I should be doing something kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it just helps the cervix start to dilate. Yeah, so, but yeah, I'm already three three centimetres, so that's good. So what do they say about, yeah, the size of the baby? Um, yeah, so I've had two extra growth scans. Um, I think I had one at 28 weeks and then again at 33, I think it was. Um, and he, oh, crap. <laughs> Don't tell the boys I said that. Um, <laughs> yes, I got to know him. Um, <laughs> um Baby is tracking on the 99th percentile. So, yeah, absolutely massive. (laughs) That was Lacey just casually chatting to Michelle when she's like three centimetres dilated. Very impressive from her. And terrifying. (laughs) I don't know what I was doing when I was three centimetres dilated. I was screaming. That's what I was was doing. I was off my head on drugs. (laughs) I wasn't yarning away to a journalist. Lacey is amazing. Yeah, that was very strange hearing myself um, interview her like that. But, yeah, you know, look, Lacey's an amazing person. And spoiler alert, she has now had the baby. So we have got her back here today to ask her how she's feeling uh, weeks after the event where young Nico is now in the world. Lacey, can you just tell us how you know Aaron and Jake and what made you want to be their surrogate? I met Aaron first and he was a flatmate of mine um, about 11 years ago when we were living in Wellington. And during that time I met my husband, so moved out and he met um, Jake and started dating. And then over the years we kept in touch on Facebook and then met up again. Yeah, we kept in touch over those years and then just started chatting again via Facebook Messenger, where I found that they were looking for a surrogate, so offered to help out. So you offered to help out over Facebook Messenger? Yep. <laughs> I know, it sounds crazy. But um, yeah, oh, they're just such cool guys. It was it was a very easy decision, that's for sure. And had you been thinking about it for a while? What, what made you want to be a, a surrogate? Yeah, so my husband and I had discussed it um, quite a lot over over the years. So on our journey to becoming parents, I had two miscarriages and just know the heartbreak that I felt during those and figured if I was ever lucky enough to be a parent myself, I would try and pay it forward, I guess, to save anyone else having to feel that heartache. And then, yeah, so I guess he just seemed to be the best way to do that. But my only, I guess my only reservation was that I didn't want to use my own eggs so just a gestational carrier just the oven basically (laughs) yeah so the guys had a friend that was willing to donate her eggs so it all worked out really well in the end it was quite quite straightforward and how had your own pregnancies been I had had uh, three amazing pregnancies just I love being pregnant and they were really easy really straightforward no complications, um, so didn't phase me in the slightest having to be pregnant again. <laughs> Looking forward to it. And what were the some of the sort of uh, toughest, I guess, emotional moments for you during that? Uh, the one of the toughest would be so on our second frozen embryo transfer. I so the first one didn't take, 
Um, and that was quite a shock because I, I guess I just thought with IVF it would just automatically work. Um, so that was quite surprising. And then uh, the second one I did fall pregnant and then miscarried at five weeks despite the HCG numbers being really good. Um, so that was just devastating because we'd had this week of just total elation um, and then started bleeding and having, because it was level, I think it was level three or level four lockdown at that stage. Um, and the guys were in a different city to me. I, they weren't with me um, to go to the hospital. So that was just so devastating. They were sitting on the end of FaceTime, just waiting to hear the outcome. Yeah, so that, that was a really hard hit. And then, um, yeah, so that, that we definitely took it. What were some of the emotions you felt around the miscarriage? You, like, were you, yeah, what are the, some, what was some, I mean, aside from it being just devastating that you miscarried, you, you sort of mentioned to me that there was a yep. bit of guilt there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I just felt really guilty, even though I knew logically I'd done nothing wrong. I couldn't have helped it either way. I just felt, yeah, just was so gutted for them and that they, yeah, just felt guilty that they were wasting their money when my body wasn't doing what it was meant to do. And then it was just really hard to go through that physically and I I almost considered not trying again because um, I didn't want to have to go through all of that again. But yeah, third, third time was a charm, so that was good. The other hard time has been this postpartum period. And yeah, that's just been a, a whole nother journey in itself, really, which I knew that it would be hard. Um, but I guess it's just been like a grieving process um, to some extent, even though it's not your child um, and you know that going into it and you know that going through the pregnancy, it's just the hormones are just a whole nother, you're up there on a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah, so, and it's it's not that I wanted Nico specifically, I didn't. He was never mine. I didn't want him or miss him. But I, yeah, it, it has definitely been an adjustment period since he's been gone. So I guess your body still thinks that there should be a child to feed. You're still producing milk. You're still, yeah, coming down off all those hormones. So, yeah, it's definitely been an adjustment. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you had to go through that really sort of rigorous ethics process to to have the surrogacy arrangement sort of agreed to, didn't you? All the counselling and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and definitely. That still sort of, yeah. Can you explain what that was like and, and did it help to prepare you? Yeah. Yeah, so we all, all parties involved, um, myself and my husband, um, Jack and Aaron, and the egg donor and her partner, um, we all had to go through individual counselling and then joint counselling sessions together um, where we discussed all types of um, outcomes such as what would happen if we got pregnant and the baby had Down syndrome, what outcome would you, um, basically just to keep, just to make sure we were all on the same page uh, moving forward and lots of lawyers appointments, um, medical appointments for me, um, there was, yeah, it was, it was huge but definitely a necessary process that's for sure, just to make sure communication is open across the board, yeah, it's the, it definitely needs to be in place, that's for sure. Um, and in terms of helping me afterwards, I don't really think that it had much to do with it. I, I knew it would have, I knew it would be hard. Um, and you prepare yourself beforehand and throughout the pregnancy, I guess you just kind of remove yourself from the situation a little bit. Um, 
but yeah, it's you can't help hormones. <laughs> you just you have to go through it either way. Um, yeah. Can you tell us what was the best part for you? What was the something that you were any that the part that you're really looking forward to, and what sort of made it w- worth it? Uh, oh, hands down, when when Nico came out and and the guys saw him for the first time, it was just it's almost indescribable. It just gives me goosebumps every <laughs> every time. Um, just those few hours before he was born, it was just really neat. Um, just the three of us and the midwife, just chilling out. Um, listening to music and that was really nice and then got down to the business end of things and I don't think the guys quite understood how close we were to the end because I was so quiet and all of a sudden there was yeah he was there and it, they, oh, it was just everyone was crying and <laughs> just incredible <laughs> so worth it made yeah everything just so worth it the couple of hours in the hospital um, afterwards before we all went home it was just so cool I was able to lie there and um, I knew that it would be the last birthing experience I would have. So I was able just to lie there and soak it all in, watch them FaceTime their parents. And yeah, so special. It was was amazing. It's an amazing thing that you've done and made help to create a family in the way that you have. Uh, Kirsty and Noelle, I think, do, do you guys have anything that you wanted to ask? Yeah, I did. Um, I actually have a friend that I know and she had a surrogate and you know how you were talking about like after the birth, you had all the hormones and stuff like that. I think her surrogate kind of had that mm-hmm. earlier in the pregnancy and like she kind of disappeared for a while and it was very stressful. Did you ever have a feeling like while you're pregnant, like that kind of thing or was it only afterwards? No, no, not at all. Um, I had a couple of freak out moments I guess where I was like oh my gosh we're actually doing this (laughs) um and but I think it was more to do with the the world that we're in at the moment with pandemic and hospital restrictions and the guys were in a different city to me so that was that was quite uh nerve-wracking wanting to make sure that they could get here and I wasn't going to be um in the position where I had to care for this child because I knew that that would just be really... I mean, obviously you would do it if, that, if that's what it came down to until they could get here. But, yeah, I just I wanted to make sure they weren't going to miss that moment. Um, it's obviously not something you can get back. But, no, I didn't, I didn't feel like that during the pregnancy at all. No, no, just afterwards. And you, you're, like, really uh, keen to sort of be honest about your experience as well, aren't you, for our other people who might be thinking about it? Yeah, absolutely. I um, I was a bit nervous to, I guess, be so honest about it. But when I was researching surrogacy, that's the kind of stories that I wanted to read about. I wanted to have full disclosure going into it, what, what to expect. And I didn't really find anything like that. So, yeah, just pays to be transparent, definitely. It's not all rainbows, that's for sure. But <laughs> it's definitely worth it. And I'd, Yeah, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. Thank you. Thanks so much uh, for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. And that was Lacey talking to us about her experiences as a surrogate. All those checks are sort of there as they're meant as safety, Michelle, like keeping everybody safe throughout the process no matter what happens. Keeping everyone safe and making sure, I guess you want it to be, 
you know, like Lacey found it incredibly empowering and loved giving that gift to them. It's a lovely thing to do and you want to make sure that everyone comes out of it, you know, and the child, like, you know, being taken care of and feeling good about it. Especially because it's so emotional. That's what I was really surprised by. I don't know. What did you two think? You know, when she was talking about the grief, I really felt that. Like, you know, and it reminds me part of the reason why I think I'm obsessed with motherhood as a a particular state and a particular relationship is because of the sort of physical aspect of it. You know, the physical intimacy involved. That's something you know, in this case is coming out of your body and you're, you're, you're giving, as you said, Michelle, like other people, the gift of being able to start a family, but it's so intimate and physical and, you know, that grief must be so powerful afterwards. Like there's all that literature about how women consider like babies just kind of an extension of them for quite a long time. And that's why motherhood is like, it's, I guess from having them inside, I don't know. But I, de- I, yeah, I definitely hadn't considered that there would be such a grieving process. Did she like, what did she do, Michelle? Do you know? I was like, get a puppy. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think I might suggest that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I- the last thing I'd want after having to be pregnant for nine months is to then have to have a puppy. Honestly. I can confirm <laughs> that. True. <laughs> the work. <laughs> can I don't know. I mean, look at Paddy, Kirsty. Like, oh, Paddy's your dog. Is, yeah. Does anyone want a dog? Because just hit me up. <laughs> Thanks again to Lacey. And thank you to everyone who responded to our Instagram call out to share your thoughts and feelings about surrogacy. We really appreciate it. Always appreciate it. Yeah, it doesn't matter what sort of question we ask people always answer that's amazing thank you for listening and uh we'll be back next week that's how i like to think of us actually it's just like an extension of other women you know yeah send us all your thoughts and innermost feelings please listeners <laughs> no word count <laughs> just as long as you want anytime day on night. deadline all right please. yeah on deadline see you next week Tell Me About It is made for stuff by Bird of Paradise Productions. It was produced by me, Noelle McCarthy, and written by me, Kirsty Johnston, and Michelle Duff. Our script supervisor is Eugene Bingham, and thanks to Janine Fenwick and Eugene for editorial oversight. Mixed by Mark Chesterman. And our theme tune is Queenie Queenie by Tammy Nielsen, our queen. You can like the podcast and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell Me About It is made possible by funding from New Zealand On Air. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball. Queenie, Queenie, don't drop the ball now.